police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Paul. And I'm Corey. And joining us today is filmmaker Mark Polonia of Polonia Brothers Entertainment. And he's here to talk about his company and his upcoming films, Amityville Exorcism and Landshark. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for inviting me. It's a privilege. Oh, love, love to have you on. So, you've been in the independent film business for quite a long time. What inspired you to first get into filmmaking? Well, you know, I, it, actually, as odd as it sounds, I was five years old, five or six, and it was a rainy Saturday. I remember it perfect. And, of course, there was nothing to do back in the 70s on a rainy day except watch what, what four or five channels existed. And they always played monster movies on Saturdays in the afternoon and at night. And I happened to catch a screening of Godzilla vs. The Thing, which is what it was called then. It was Godzilla vs. Mothra. And I just remember being totally, first of all, frightened by it, but then fascinated at the same time. And I remember thinking, whatever this is, this is what I want to do. So I spent literally my my life pursuing it, uh, even at, even from that age. Um, you know, my brother and I figured out, okay, these are movies. This is how a movie gets made. We went to the library and got books on filmmaking. We started writing our own scripts. Our first script we ever wrote was was uh, pretty awful, but it's, it was called The Return of Count Dracula. And if we had time, I could recite it word for word. I remember it that well. So that's really how it started. That planted a seed. And it was a, it's a it's a passion. It was then, and it's it still is. You know, I'm 48, so that's you know 42 years, 43 years of uh, investing in something that I just really am, am passionate about. Very cool. What would you say is your favorite aspect of filmmaking? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I enjoy the whole process. I, I guess even you know, I've made fifty plus movies, but the whole the whole process fascinates me. That you can come up with an idea in your head, put it on paper, take that and translate it into a visual media with sound effects and music and actors and titles. And at the end of the day, you have like a finished product. I, I, I enjoy, I, I don't enjoy writing as much as I do figuring out the logistics and, and planning the production. And I love being on set and directing and getting, you know, running the day. And I love post-production too, um, putting it all together. So, you know, at our level, we do everything. So it, it's, you're kind of totally immersed in every aspect of it, whether you want to or not. And, and I guess, you know, the best part is, is that, you know, people like you enjoy it when it's all finished. Cause that's ultimately you, you make movies for fans and Hollywood does the same thing. They just try to mass market it in a way we can't, but it's still the same thing. Could you tell us a little bit about Polonia brothers entertainment, how you first started the company and what kind of films you specialize in? We started, uh, Polonia Brothers Entertainment really started in its in the 80s, but it was called Cinegraphic Productions at the time. We had two other partners, uh, Matt Smith, Matt Satterley and, and Todd Smith. Uh, Matt's passed away. Of course, John's gone. But at some point, you know, it was always John and I. We were the ringleaders, so we decided to call it Polonia Brothers Entertainment. And we specialize in the kind of movies that we like. We like 
we like uh, low budget uh, horror, science fiction, fantasy movies, um, escapism type pictures. Uh, you know, again, you, you're you're a product of what you grew up watching, and I think I think we all are. Um, you know. F- like Peter Jackson was a fan of Ray Harryhausen and you can see that in his movies. So, you know, you, you take a little bit of that with you and mix your own, uh, desires and ideas and, and talents and skills into the mix as well. And hopefully you come up with something that, uh, represents you and your, your, your passion and your, your ideals and ideas and concepts. Now, when John passed away, People would ask me, "Well, are you still going to call it Polonia Brothers?" And, and that, you know, that was a legitimate question that, at the time, I really didn't want to answer or think about. But you know, the Warner Brothers are dead, and there's still Warner Brothers uh, pictures. And I thought, well, you know, there's still one of me alive. I guess we could keep the name until then. So I decided to keep it and not ch- change the name. So. What do you think it is about low-budget films that some people really enjoy as much as they do? What qualities do low-budget films have that higher-budget films just don't seem to have? Well, I think low-budget movies, a lot of times they are made out of passion. Big, big studio movies, they're made to get as many people in the theater as they can to make back their money because they cost so much. I think, I think independent low-budget movies... There's people involved with them that are they're they're passionate about what they do. They have really good ideas. They're hungry. They're not being manipulated by a system that they can't control to create an end product. And you can see that in a lot of cult directors. You know how they started out in their first couple movies, and then they move into the studio system, and it's you know for the most part it's all over because it's a different world. And even some of those directors will tell you you know they 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 miss the days when they could just go grab a camera and go shoot a movie and i often thought you know why don't they do it and having been in hollywood and and you know being involved in the system to some degree it's just not easy because they don't want to go backwards but i mean if someone ever offered me a huge budget picture i'd do it for two reasons one to prove i could do it and two to take all that money and make a thousand low budget movies there's just a spirit there's a spirit involved in making a movie under less than ideal circumstances but the people behind it really care and really want to see it get done and and that's not to say that doesn't happen on big movies but it's a different it's a different world it's a it's more of a business at that point and and i think once once filmmakers or producers or actors move into that world or that level it's a it's a different game and you have different rules that you have to play by and i think you lose that spirit of creativity and sense of wonderment and the things that really inspired you to get behind the camera in the first place can you tell us a little bit about your newest films, Amityville, Exorcism, and Land Shark? Maybe their general plot or the ideas behind the films. Amityville Exorcism was produced in cooperation with Wild Eye Entertainment. Rob uh, Housechild, he's a great guy. I was in. Uh, I traveled between California and Pennsylvania, and I was coming home for a break. And he's uh, he said, hey, well, while you're home, why don't you shoot a movie? And, I'm, you know, we were joking and I thought about it. I said, sure, why don't we? Because I was home for four or five weeks and uh, I actually wrote the production 
in Burbank where I where I stay and uh, I I actually prepped almost the whole picture there got it cast got everything lined up flew home a week later we started shooting it and uh, within a month I had the whole thing edited so that that project moved pretty quick basically it, it kind of combines the trappings of an Amityville a horror type picture but throws in a demonically possessed girl at the same time but without revealing too much and there's this kind of sub there's this kind of subplot or, or thread of family strength uh unity and 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 redemption you know i know that all sounds pretty heady but it's all done in a b-movie fashion but i like to weave at least some social commentary in there if i can now, Land Shark is the complete opposite. It's, you know, it's basically a, a campy movie about an experiment where these people are trying to use sharks because they're vicious and they're predators as weapons, and they're trying to get them to to live on land for short periods of time for weaponry and you know that kind of thing. And the experiment works too well, and uh, they have to terminate the experiment but they also have to terminate the existing land sharks that are running around Los Angeles killing people. And uh, that has some notable B-movie actors. It has Sarah French, it has Jeff Dylan Graham, and it was shot entirely in, in California, which was, which was a really neat experience because we shot, we shot from Santa Monica Beach all the way up to the mountains in a place called Pine Mountain Club. Um, so the movie has a very expansive feel to it where the Amityville movie really is a contained, tight little picture that really only has three, mainly three characters, whereas the shark movie has a do, you know, dozen or so, two dozen people in it from start to finish. What qualities do you think make a great film, and could you give us some examples of films that you would consider great? Yeah, a great movie is one that entertains you, period. You know, I don't care what it cost. I don't care what country it was made in. I don't care, you know, who's in it. I think the bottom line is if a movie entertains you, then I think it did its job. I think that's a great movie. Um, you know, examples of great movies, you know, there's tons. Star Wars, Jaws. Jurassic Park, you know, those are those are the big guys. But, you know, then you have like the low budget fighters like, you know, the original Phantasm is a great movie. Cost a fraction of any of those other movies I mentioned. Uh, you know, some of Roger Corman's early movies. I love The Beast from Haunted Cave. I mean, that movie probably cost $80,000, but there's just something about it that's just I think it's great. I think it's just a great little movie so you have the higher end gems and then you have the lower tier gems but you know in my in my book they're all the same you know jurassic park is successful for a lot of reasons but so is a movie like beast from haunted cave you know on a different level but i think it's just as a great movie as the other now, with your views on that, do you have any films that you would consider guilty pleasures that you enjoy watching yeah, I mean, I, I I watch so many movies, but you know, I could watch, I could watch Humanoids from the Deep over and over again. There's just something about that movie I really like. Yeah, Piranha, obviously. Uh, Beast from Haunted Cave. That's a guilty pleasure. Uh, you know, I just watched a, a low-budget crime drama from the late '50s called Raiders from Beneath the Sea about these 
these bank robbers that rob a bank dressed in scuba gear. I mean, it's ridiculous. What a concept. You know, I just, I really enjoyed it. Killer Shrews. Killer Shrews was made by a bunch of people in Texas, you know, in the in 1958. It's a great movie. People, people rag on it because they use dogs in costumes for the shrews, but you know, what an ingenious idea. You know, any other filmmaker would have caved in and never shown them. And at least these guys built puppets and went the extra effort to make this thing scary. And if, if you really watch it, you know, Night of the Living Dead probably stole ideas from it if you put two and two together. But, uh, you know, there's, there's so many movies out. There's just so many good movies out there. And even stuff that costs next to nothing, you know, is is just as good so you know a successful movie a great movie is one that entertains you and you can remember it when it's over um i could i could tell you every scene in beast from haunted cave i could not tell you one thing about the last star wars movie except i predicted that luke skywalker would not be in the movie until the very end that's all i remember about that movie (laughs) What advice would you give to someone who wants to create their own independent film? Um, you know, I get asked that question a lot. It's a, it's a great question, guys. You know, the answer's simple and the answer's complicated, but the answer is you just have to go out and do it. Because it is not easy. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you that straight up. Making a move, the, the three hardest things in the world to do are brain surgery, raising kids and making a movie now i've done two of the three so i sort of have some i know what i'm talking about um it's it's very difficult it can be frustrating it can be disappointing it can be financially draining it can be emotionally draining but it's again it's your passion if that's what you want to do then just go do it with today's technology there's no excuse for someone who wants to make a movie to not go out and do it when we started it was a lot tougher to make a movie but i i i think for us it was just the naivety in the fact that no one said we couldn't do it so i didn't think it was it was like okay well other people do it i guess we can too and you know if i really stopped to think about it i might have talked myself out of it numerous times but it never dawned on me that i couldn't or we couldn't and we tried you know oftentimes unsuccessfully occasionally successfully but but the bottom line is is that you can talk about making a movie all you want but until you go out and do it until you write it cast it get it shot you know go through five straight days of filming then get it edited and scored and then get it distributed um anyone anyone who makes a movie and finishes it deserves some sort of credit i don't care what the end result is because there's so many couch potato internet critics out there that you know it's just so easy to diss on something and not just my movies but other people's movies and i have to wonder what are these people going to do with their lives you know what have they done you know i got an email from a guy once and he, he started lambasting my movies and you know people are entitled to an opinion and you have to expect that and they may have just seen independence day and rented feeders and i can see where they might be disappointed because feeders is so much better but but um you know i asked the guys he's like i could make a movie better than this 
I forget what he, I, I could make a movie better than this with my grandmother. And I said, you know, thank you for your, thank you for your reply. I appreciate what you had to say. I said, why don't you go out and make a movie with your grandmother and then come back to me and tell me how easy it is. And let me take a look at your movie. And, uh, it wasn't long afterwards. I got this big apology from him, which I didn't want. I, I don't, you know, I don't really care. It just goes to show you that people think it's easy. They think they can do it. And when you really put them up against the wall, very few people could. You know, anyone could take a anyone with $180 million can make a movie that looks looks decent. I doubt if you gave some of these big filmmakers a thousand bucks and said, go make a movie, they could do it. I, I, that'd be an interesting challenge. But if you want to make a movie, do it. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Don't listen to criticism. Don't worry about what people say about the end result. Make another one. Eventually, you will get where you want to go. And some people get there quick. Some people struggle their whole lives. But it doesn't matter. If that's what you want to do, you'll you'll find a way to do it. That, that sounds like an awesome reality show, actually. Take some, some famous directors and be like, here's $1,000. Let's see what you come up with. I'd love to see like like, yeah, like Michael I, Bay and James Cameron like head to head like they each have a thousand dollars. They'd spend that much on pens to, to to sit down and scribble notes. They couldn't even they, see. That's the thing. They can't go backwards. They they would not. Once you get to that level, it, it's it, a would be beneath them, I think, and b I don't think they really would even know how to do that anymore. Pretty much, yeah. That's but, one of the reasons why we yeah. started the show because we we love talking to people like who can pull resources together and make a film. Like even if the film is not a masterpiece, it's like you know I have an, a tremendous amount of respect for people that get out there and say I've got an idea for a film. I'm going to make this, and regardless of restrictions, let's see how this goes. And we since we started the show, we're like you know we want to hear from anybody who's just willing to get out there and just like between like you and everybody we've spoken to it's it's always a pleasure to talk to people as making films well yeah i mean i mean and we we appreciate it because it's you know we're not all looking for a pat on the back but people have to understand that you know we're tr we're we're doing what we love and we're we're trying to do the best we can with the resources we have and like you said sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes people get it Sometimes they don't, but the you know if, if if every painter that was famous looked at his first painting and said this sucks and threw it in the garbage, they would have never did it again. I mean, a lot of success in this industry at any level is persistence. Um, trust me, it's persistence. Now, I don't think I, I look at myself and I'm not. I don't feel like I'm successful. I simply don't because I'm looking at people like. Spielberg and George Lucas and Peter Jackson, you know, that's my idea of a successful filmmaker. But there's people that may look at me and go, oh, that guy's successful. Look at what he did. So a lot of it's your perception. You know, I always joke with my kids. I said, when I die, someone will make a $45 million movie about me and you guys will be doing okay. But it's funny. If you said, who directed Logan's Run in 1974? And people would be like, who, I don't, who the hell made that movie? If you said, who made Plan 9 from Outer Space? Everyone would go, oh, Ed Wood. Yeah. Great for Ed Wood. You know what? Great for Ed Wood. Because he deserves more respect 
and more credit than anyone who's shot a movie with a budget of Logan's run. Now, there's, there's an issue that we debate here all the time, and uh, we like to get everyone's opinion on it because we... Uh, I just... I, I want to show Paul up at some point here with this, but I want to know, what's your opinion on hairless cats? Hairless cats? Uh, well, I'm allergic to cats, so I we've only had one once, and it stayed with us for a month, and then it had to go. Um, you know, hairless cats are... Uh, Unacquired taste, I guess, like any pet. I'm sure they're just as affectionate as any other cat, and I'm sure they get cold at night, so you probably have to buy them those expensive, cute little things that you throw on them. But I would assume a hairless cat is as equal as any other animal on the planet, so I can't really diss them. I don't know as if I ever own one, but. See, I just, I, I'm of the variety where I think they're adorable, and Paul's of the variety that he thinks they're an abomination to nature. The way, like, I mean, I, I love animals, I've never mistreated animal, but when I see them, all I can think of is, we've gone too far in experimenting with animals. It, like, I think of it as that scene in Jurassic Park when they're talking about, you know, was it ethical to bring dinosaurs back? And that's hairless cats for me, like, have we gone too far as a species? And I'd say yes, because we've just messed with the animal kingdom too much, and they're they're gonna fight back one day, and... We're going to get shown up, and when that happens, I'll be like, I was against the idea the whole time. They're just there. there you go, hairless cat park. Cute, there you go. Cute, cuddly gremlins, that's what they are. <laughs> they look like rodents, but but uh, I don't know what their temperament is, because I've, you know, I've never been up close to one. So They constantly look angry, like they're just um, waiting for you to like look at them the wrong way, just so they can just like get you. I, I don't trust them. When can we see Amityville Exorcism and Land Shark? When will they be coming out, and how will we be, how will we be able to see them? Um, well, that's a good question. Amityville Exorcism is available now on Amazon and other streaming platforms. It will be released a, a hard copy, a DVD, in May, and Land Shark will be available on. June thirteenth, which I hope isn't a Friday, um, on on uh, digital uh, VOD and a hard disk. So very cool. And where can we follow you to learn more about Landshark, Amityville Exorcism, and any future projects by Poloni Brother Entertain Brothers Entertainment? Uh, the best way is to just uh, look up, uh, Google my name, or go to my Facebook or Twitter page, which you can easily find. Uh, online there you have it b-movie fans land shark and amityville exorcism awesome movies brought to you by filmmaker mark polonia and polonia brothers entertainment make sure to check them out and all their other awesome films mark thank you for joining us today it's been a lot of fun thank you for having me take care guys you too